Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. In this teaching series, Kevin speaks about various themes from the book of Proverbs, providing us with practical wisdom for a life well lived. Visit kevinconnor.org for more details. So now tonight, uh, we're on session five, we've got one more Sunday, and uh, so forth. So uh, the uh, title of what I've got tonight to go through and uh, I wish I didn't have to do this, but it's called A Tale of Two Women. And uh, so I want to read a a passage from the scripture there. Uh, So if you've got your Bibles, New King James, and I'm going to change the passage, I think, to uh, Proverbs chapter... Yeah, let's go to Proverbs chapter 6, and I'll, I'll explain it as we go through. So Proverbs chapter 6, and we're going to read verse 20. Okay, so I really, I honestly do appreciate you being out, coming out on a wet night like this. Okay, so Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 20 to 35 says, My son, keep the commandment of your father, and forsake not the law of your mother. Now, notice right there, the first thing involves the father and the mother, their, their responsibility. Then it says, by, uh, notice it starts off with my son. So it's one of those, there's about 15 sections on my son, my son, my son, my son. And here is the son, and keep the commandment of your father, forsake not the law of your mother. Then it says, so father and mother and son here, Bind them continually upon your heart. Tie them about your neck. When you Now notice the physical things involved here. When you walk, it shall lead you. When you sleep, it shall watch over you. And when you awake, it shall talk with you. So walking, sleeping, waking. So three actions of the human body. Then it says in verse 23, For the commandment is a lamp and the law is light, and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. I think I told you last week or the week before that uh, we, we uh, Joyce and I, when Joyce was with me, uh, we always had about four questions when Mark or Sharon came home from school. When they, they, they just wanted to make sure we, mum and dad were there. And then they said, we're going out to play. And I'd always ask the question number one, where are you going? Number two, who are you going to be with? That had to, had to do with place and company. And then number three, what are you going to be doing? So activity. And number four is when will you be home? So there was strong accountability and just in the mercy of God and no condemnation or guilt trip on any, anyone else here. Both my kids were saved in my meetings and uh, never really gone to the world, uh, just the mercy of God. But just to balance that out, uh, Adam and Eve had a Cain and they had an Abel. So uh, uh, that's not in any way a guilt. Okay, so for the commandment is life and the law, uh, a lamp, pardon me, and the law is light. So no use having a lamp without light. The lamp must be lit. So the, the, the commandment is a lamp and the law is light and reproofs of instruction are the way of life. And now notice this, and uh, this is, a, as I said, it's a tough subject, to keep thee from the evil woman and from the flattery of the foreigner's tongue, 
Lust not after her beauty in your heart, neither let her take you, her, uh, take you with her eyelids, winking, you know. Uh, for on account of a harlot, a man is brought to a piece of bread, and the adulteress hunts for the precious life. Then it goes into some symbolism. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burned? Or can one walk upon hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So he that goeth into his neighbor's wife. So it has to do with adultery, immorality. Whosoever toucheth her shall not go unpunished. Men do not despise a thief if he seal to satisfy himself when he's hungry. But if he be found... Uh, he shall restore sevenfold, he shall give all the substance of his house. And then verse 32, and, and I'm, I'm sorry to say this, but I've, you know, over my, I'm 86 years of age, I know I don't look that, I look 106, but I've talked to ministers who have morally fallen. And just for, I'm sorry to say this, but I have to say it, that's the subject we're on here, that I say, look, for a few moments, physical gratification, it's not worth selling your birthright for a mess. And I said, listen to these scriptures. Uh, It says in verse 32, He that committeth adultery with a woman is void of understanding. He he that doeth it would destroy his own soul. And listen to the the self-inflicted judgment that comes. Wounds and dishonor shall he get, and his reproach shall not be wiped away. As I said, you know, it breaks my heart. I've talked to uh, ministers who have fallen morally, and there's just a reproach, a reproach uh, on on them for the rest of their life. God forgives as we'll see, and uh, there's, uh, upon repentance, but there's just a scar. And I tell young people, young ministers, don't do it for a few moments, physical enjoyment, because we're all sexual beings. In fact, uh, on my notes, if you want to write it down, there's two strongest instincts in all of us. Uh, one is the food instinct. How many love food? <laughs> About six of you, you liars. Okay, the food instinct, which is the law of self-preservation. But number two, the second strongest instinct is the sex instinct, and that's the law of propagation. So one is preservation, the law, and one is the law of propagation. Now, you can live without sex, but you can't live without food. Okay, so that's it. So... Continue here. So verse 33, wounds and honor, uh, dishonor shall he get and his reproach, uh, reproach shall not be wiped away. For jealousy is the rage of a man and he will not spare in the day of vengeance. He will not regard any ransom. And, uh, you know, I've uh, had some so sad cases. Neither will he rest content though, the, though thou givest, uh, though you give many gifts. Now, just go to your notes a moment and uh, down the bottom, uh, because there's too much on this. In the, in the two blocks there, um, notice on one side, you've got all these warnings against the strange woman or simply committing fornication or adultery uh, with the strange woman, referred to a, a number of scriptures. And you'll notice I've put down 16 passages. When I went through this uh, thing here, I found 16 passages of warnings against 
uh, fornication or against the strange woman, as it's called here. And then on the other side, on the blessings, the virtuous woman uh, is spoken at least about six times there. And uh, the major passage is found in, in chapter 31. So that's where we're going. Okay, so let's go up to the top first of all. And uh, what I b- believe that God ultimately had in mind, uh, we'll come to that. So a letter A, so a tale of two women. Uh, a woman in scripture is often used as a type of the church, whether the true or uh, that should be or, or the false church. And we've got that in Ephesians chapter 5. I, this is a great mystery. I speak concerning Christ and the church. And then Second Corinthians and chapter uh, 17 of Revelation. So our principle of interpreting scripture is first the natural and afterwards that which is spiritual. Both may be seen in this session. So I believe that ultimately God had this in mind. Okay, now I've just put down seven examples of... Uh, the case of a tale of two women. So in Abraham's life, he had two women, uh, a good woman, Sarah, and then Hagar. And uh, how many know that when I get to heaven, I'm going to talk to Abraham, especially about uh, Hagar and Ishmael and the price of oil. (laughs) Everybody agree with, with that, you know. But one was a good woman and godly woman. And let me, let me say this while I'm on this a little bit, balance it out. That often God gives us a promise, but God doesn't immediately fulfill the promise. So uh, if I was, oh, we've got the whiteboard here. Let's, uh, let's do that. Um, everybody breathing? Okay, let's see how we go here. Um, Yeah, I think we'll try this. Okay, so if you want to just put down the uh, the the thing here, uh, my famous little chart here. So uh, here we could say, promise given, and this is a a lesson, a major lesson uh, we learned from Abraham. So promise given. And then when we come down here, somewhere, and we don't know where, question mark, promise fulfilled. So promise fulfilled. You can put the word fulfilled over there. All right, now, between here, oh, let me go back here. Promise is given, and you can put down one scripture there. Why does God give a promise? And see, Romans ten seventeen. So then, faith comes, and I like the word uh, created. Faith is created by hearing a word from God. So when I did an a, a, a exposition on the book of Hebrews, I went through every reference in the book of Hebrews uh, on the faith chapter, chapter 11, and I found that every one of them, men or women, got a word from God. And because uh, uh, just to be honest with you, I used to get tired of pe- preachers preach- preaching on faith and everything like that. I'd say, if I hear anything on faith, I'll scream, you know. But uh, they didn't put, uh, put the key verse. Romans ten seventeen. the reason God gives a promise is to create faith. So then faith 
comes or faith is created by hearing a word from God. Every one of them got a word from God. But then in this part here, what you've got to put down is promise tested. Promise tested. So God gave Abraham and Sarah a promise, but they didn't know how long it was going to be. Abraham was about 75 years of age, and uh, he was given the promise. And then after a few years, it's like Sarah said to Abraham, now look, you're, you're nearly 100. I'm nearly 90-99, and I've got my one leg on a banana skin and the other leg in the grave. And the Bible says in the reverse version, God helps those that help themselves. Now, I'm getting older, you know, and I've had no baby. And you got hanging on to the promise. So Hagar comes in and he says, go into, or she says, go into Hagar. And so the result was Ishmael. Now, our lesson here is that Ishmael is man fulfilling God's word and promise by works of the flesh and self-effort. Isaac is God's fulfilling his own word in his, in his way and his time. So I remember I, work, I used to work on an orchard up in Blackburn here somewhere a number of years ago and the people were always stealing the fruit and... My boss put a notice up there, God helps those that help themselves. But then he's put underneath, but God help those that I catch helping themselves. <laughs> so, not so much stealing. So, the thing is, promise given to create faith, promise fulfilled in God's time. Promise is tested, and so God doesn't, God, God often gives the promise, but He tests us out to see. And so uh, let me say that again. What's Ishmael? Ishmael, Ishmael is God, uh, or man, man fulfilling God's promise, trying to, through self-effort and through works of the flesh. Isaac is God fulfilling His word in His way and time. So, eventually, so we have Hagar here. I don't know, this is an amazing thing. One minute it's blue, <laughs> next minute it comes out black. <laughs> too, too much for me, these modern things. Anyway, everybody get the message. So two women and Sarah was the godly woman and Hagar turned out to be a bad woman. Okay, number two, and this has a little touch of humour, Jacob had two women in his life, but which one did uh, uh, Jacob really want first? How many remember? He really wanted, uh, no, uh, he wanted Rachel, was it? Oh, it shows I'm tired. Okay, he wanted Rachel. And the custom was, said, oh, no, it's not customary. Oh, okay. I got that. Yeah, my, my computer's not converted. So the two women, the two women in uh, Jacob's life were... Rachel, Rachel and Leah. That's right. So just correct that. 
say this stupid little computer, unconverted. Anyway, Rachel and Leah, so now he really wanted Rachel. But see, the custom was to give the firstborn uh, to the man who married her. And so he wakes up in the morning and he finds he's got the wrong woman. Now, do you know what we do to counteract that today? <laughs> when I used to do weddings, after they made their vows, then I'd say, the husband may now kiss the bride, and what would he do? Lift the veil. Yeah. What for? What for? Just to make sure it's the right woman. <laughs> right? Are you laughing at, with me, not at me? See? So it's a custom just to make sure we don't wake up in the morning and find the wrong woman in bed like poor Jacob. And, and see, Jacob didn't know the cultural gap. <laughs> we do. So we do that. Everybody said amen. You're breathing out there. So Rachel and, and, uh, and Leah, that's right. And then uh, number three. Interesting here, Alcana, and then he had uh, two women in his life, one at a time, uh, Hannah and Penaniah. And then this is interesting, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 41, he said, in that day, two women will be grinding at the mill. Now, I believe it's more than that, as we'll see. And then uh, two women grinding at the mill, one will be taken, the other will be left. And then it's very interesting, of all the parables that Jesus told, uh, uh, there's only two parables concerning uh, women. Matthew 13, uh, 13 and verse 33, uh, where the woman took the le- eleven, and uh, I won't take time to prove this, leaven in the Bible is always symbolic of evil. And then Luke chapter 15, where the woman who represents the bride of Christ lost the coin, uh, the, the coin that she was needed uh, for the marriage. Then when you get to the book of Revelation, uh, we have uh, two women in Revelation. So I'm talking about tale of two women. Uh, Revelation 12, who I believe is the bride of Christ. Revelation chapter 17. And then in the book of Proverbs, that's what we're looking at tonight. Uh, the book of Proverbs speaks of two women, wisdom and folly, or the strange woman, or the virtuous woman. And uh, so... In letter B, we say there are two women to be seen in the book of Proverbs, the strange woman and the virtuous woman. One is to be avoided like the plague and the other becomes a good wife. That's why I often say, and I think I'm safe here, and Irene, I've had two women in my life. The first one I call dear, this one I call expensive. <laughs> Irene's heard that, that, that many times. It's not even funny now, is it? <laughs> okay. All right. So that's, that's what we're talking about. So follow, we note the theme of two women in column form, the warnings and the blessings appropriate, appropriate with the right or the wrong one. So uh, warnings of the strange woman. And down the bottom here and then uh, on the right column, uh, blessings on the virtuous woman. Down the bottom, I, I think... And see, in my generation, I think it's tougher on young people now in this generation than it was in my generation. How many would agree with that? 
I think it's tougher on young people. Uh, these days there's so much pressure and uh, billboards and immorality and so forth and the preaching of the alternative lifestyle uh, in schools where our kids are being brainwashed. It, that, I'm, I'm talking about that in the second session. It really makes me angry. So, down the bottom I've got, it would be good for all parents to read the, give these scriptures to read and meditate thereon to their sons and daughters and notice what I've said at the appropriate age and level of understanding I mean when our kids are talk, taught about uh, kids of five years of age taught about homosexuality alternative lifestyle and all that thing say what are you doing you're usurping the parents' role. That's the parents' job when they come of age. But they're being brainwashed today, and that makes me angry. How many feel the same as me? And that's all right. Thank you, Kevin. So to read and meditate on at the, uh, and give to their sons and daughters at the appropriate uh, age and level of understanding, such could save them from evils and heartaches that come from evil relationships and immorality. Now, while we're on this, um, I've got some things down here. So in the book of Proverbs, and uh, uh, we'll see at the end of this session here, just got to watch my time always, uh, we have the strange woman and the virtuous woman. All right. Uh, put down, it's not on your notes here, put down Psalm 11 and verse 3. Psalm 11 verse 3. And I believe it says, it says in that scripture, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Now, to me, we're living in the day when the foundation of society on marriage is being destroyed. It's, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? And uh, when we have uh, teaching on same-sex marriage and all these things. Now, you'll notice as I... Uh, I'll read off my notes here. Note, the book of Proverbs does not specifically deal with different kinds of immorality. It mainly deals with two women spoken of as the strange woman or the virtuous woman, as, as I said above. Uh, these various laws have been dealt with in other books of the Bible. Say, so, for instance, all the New Testament. I, do, I don't care what they say out there. We are people of the Bible. And I'll qualify that in a moment. So adultery is spoken of against in Old Testament and New Testament. Everybody said amen on that? Yeah. Homosexuality in both Old and New Testament is spoken against. Yeah. See? Uh, and uh, I happened to mention this this morning. One of the things that really bothered me as an old man, and I'm, you know, getting, oh, I, I, I am old, but you see, in America... When I was there, I went for one year, say for 10 years, we have Pentecostal homosexual churches. They speak in tongues, they prophesy. But you see, if they receive the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes to make us holy. And the Bible says in Hebrew somewhere, without holiness, no man will see the Lord. So it's not enough to speak in tongues. Do I live a holy life? That's the issue. So the Holy Spirit 
doesn't come just only to speak, uh, help us speak in tongues, but to make us holy. Everybody said amen on that. So I know I'm being pretty tough here, but homosexuality is dealt with in both Old and New Testament. Uh, only the Old Testament deals with this one, and I'll put down some of the perversions we've got here. Sorry about this. But bestiality, and this is a curse. I, I never watch the uh, program or stay up that long. But, uh, but on the television, or television, I mean, what's the difference? Anyway, they have bestiality, sex with animals. And our kids are watch that. Perversion. And then the Old and New Testament both deal with fornication. And then whatever this means, uh, Jesus said two things here. He said, as it was in the days of Noah. And then he said, as it was in the days of Lot. Now you just think, and whatever this means, I'm thinking uh, of our modern situation. In the days of Noah, it says they were marrying and giving in marriage. Now, whatever that phrase means, but we think of the Nephilim and the giants and all that type of thing, you know, Genesis 6 is bad, bad news. It brought the flood. So marrying and giving marriage, so today, homosexuals marry homosexuals, lesbians, lesbians, same-sex marriage, and, uh, and they're talking in America and Australia about uh, big Amy. Uh, no. How do you say that word? Not big Amy. But big... You know what I mean. Bigamy. Yeah, I do say it right. Bigamy and polygamy. Say, where are we going? The foundations of society where God created one woman, Adam, and one, uh, one woman, Eve, that's right, and then one man, Adam. That was the original marriage. So let's stick to the Bible. Everybody said amen? amen. All right. And then, so as it was in the days of, of uh, Noah, marrying and giving in marriage until the flood took them all away, as and so. Then Jesus said, uh, as it was in the days of Lot. And this is a frightening thing. See, some of the modern translations, they want to be politically correct and so they've changed the word in old King James. And you know what? This is, this is a frightening thing. It's good, healthy fear of God. We're talking about a tale of two women here. That everybody in the Bible is going to be named after a city according to the lifestyle they live. Now, in old King James, which a lot of people say, toss it away. I say, well, I've got New King James, I've got 30 translations. But you see, all King James says sodomites. As it was in the days of Lot, and Lot lived in Sodom, they are named after a city. Why? Because of the evil lifestyle they lived. Whereas, you can put this down, Revelation chapter 3 and verse 17, uh, Revelation 3, no, Revelation 3 and verse 12. Revelation uh, 3, verse 12, and it says, To him that overcomes, I will write upon him the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem. So, I'd rather have the name of a New Jerusalem on me 
as an overcomer than have the name of Sodom and be a Sodomite. Uh, uh, am I talking to the right people? Yes. See, we don't dare talk about these things. Now, just to balance it out, because uh, we all have our temptations and everything like that, and God in his mercy preserved me as an orphan, though I had my temptations and everything like that, and uh, temptations to perversion uh, when I was in the Air Force, God did preserve me. So I'm trying to balance that out. So turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, this is not on your notes here. But see, it's a point that's being raised. Even some people in, in our home church, uh, City Life, they say, well, what does the church believe? Do we believe in homosexuality? Do we believe in same-sex marriage? What do we believe? These are questions that are thrown at me and I. What do you do? I say, what does the Bible say? Not what Kevin Connor says, what does the Bible say? Everybody said amen? amen. Okay, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, as evil as the, these things are, and I'm not uh, making any excuse for them, but listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 9. Uh, on, on a little bit. So he says in verse 9, Do you not know, and I'm reading from New King James here, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Is that clear or not? It's very clear. Then he says, Do not be deceived. Now, I've got ten things here on my notes that Paul talks about. Neither fornicators, number one. So sex before marriage, nor idolaters, number two. Nor uh, adulterers, sex within marriage or somebody else's wife. Uh, nor homosexuals, or sodomy. Uh, then the next one says, uh, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extension, uh, extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. But notice verse 11, such were some of you. So even in the Corinthian Pentecostal church, there had been some who lived that past lifestyle, but they can't do repentance and listen to what Paul says. So I'm not making these things the unpardonable sin, but I am saying if a person is involved in any way in any of these Areas of immorality needs to come to genuine repentance. That's all. That's all I'm saying. That's what Paul says. Everybody said amen. amen. So he says here, and such were some of you, but everybody say, but, but you were washed. So washed in the blood of Jesus or washing of water by the word. You were sanctified, but you were sanctified, but the, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So I'm not saying these things are unpardonable sin, but a person does need to come to repentance. So when people say to my wife and I, well, what about these people who we're practicing and so forth? Pentecostal homosexual church say, no, what did Jesus say to the woman taken adultery? Has no man condemned thee? Don't stop there. 
Because Jesus said, neither do I condemn thee, but he said, stop sinning, go and sin no more. That's all we're saying. Is that okay? That's balance, okay. So we want to do that. Such was some of you. And so we've got ten things here. Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. And he says, such were some of you, but they are. Otherwise, he says, you cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So you'll notice the three things we've got there. Uh, justification, the beginning, beginning of salvation. Sanctification, the continuation of salvation, living a holy life. And washed, being washed in the water of the word. Everybody said amen on that. All right, now that's a tough one. Okay, let's go over here. Before we take a break, um, all right, I'm going to uh, let you read, read all this between now and the coming of Jesus. So, under letter C, we've got characteristics of the strange woman. From the reading of these 16 passages, scripture passages, we note the characteristics of the strange woman, someone foreign. The reader is encouraged to read the scriptures and the warning. So, Number one, I won't read them all. Uh, she's a strange woman used in several of the passages, and I've, I, I, I actually typed every one of them out just to make sure uh, we were doing balance here. A flatterer, a covenant forgotten, the covenant of marriage leads to life, not to uh, leads to death, not to life. The wicked and treacherous to be cut off. Sweet as honey, slippery as oil leads to Sheol, the place of death, and on and on and on. These are all the characteristics of the strange woman. So uh, when we're counseling, or when I used to counsel young people, say, okay, make sure your parents are happy. Make sure that you have some guidelines for court courting and everything like that. And I want you to both write them down so that when you walk down this aisle that you know you've kept yourself pure. Is that being too tough? No. See, I just wanted to protect our young people. And so when you walk down this aisle, I want you to be able to say, we've kept ourselves for each other and for the marriage covenant. That's all. People say, oh, Kevin's got no heart, he's legalistic. No, I just want to protect our young people. How many can say amen on that? All right, so read all, all that. Uh, on there. Now, go down to letter D, just for the last few moments here. Characteristics of the virtuous woman. Uh, and note, she is mentioned some 14 times and her mentioned uh, some 30 times. From the six passages given, especially uh, in Proverbs chapter 31, we gather the characteristics of the blessed and virtuous woman uh, called the wife of your youth. There is no comparison uh, to the strange woman with the virtuous woman. They are to totally opposites. And so, uh, so you've got all these uh, good things. A virtuous woman, number one. A wise woman, number two. Wisdom, uh, one of the key words in the book of Proverbs, brings favor of the Lord. Uh, a prudent woman, careful, considerate, priceless. Her 
price is uh, far above rubies, totally trusted by her husband. She'll do him good all the days of his life. She's a willing worker. She buys good food. She's industrious. She's a good business person, a strong worker. I mean, how many would like a wife, the men <laughs> like that? She discerns well. She cares for the poor and the needy. She dresses well. Her husband sits in the gates of justice and with other elders. She's good at business with the merchants. She has strength and honor and so forth, can rejoice in time to come. She's known for wisdom. She has the law of kindness in her tongue. She's kind to people. She's not lazy, but looks after her household. Her husband, her children rise up and bless her. Her husband also, and he praises, appreciates, adores her. Uh, I think that's the only battle I have with Reen now and then. We go shopping on our day off, and... uh, as long as I have a book, and then I say, what are you going to do? Oh, just looking, just looking. I said, yeah, that's what Eve did. <laughs> and the rest is history. Okay, darling, that's going to cost me a love offering. Okay, <laughs> yes. Uh, she has, uh, excels 25, 24, all other virtuous ladies. She has internal beauty, the fear of the Lord, not merely external beauty. Beauty is skin deep, and she receives the fruit of her works and praises in, in the gates of the city. And I like this one. There are many other characteristics of this virtuous woman in the scriptures. Indeed, as says, he who finds a wife, and I put this in, such as this, finds a good thing. Would my thing stand up? Read. This is my good thing. Wonderful world. So, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Have you got a good thing? <laughs> All the married people said, Amen. Okay. All the hope to be married young people, have you got a thing yet? A good, make sure it's a good thing. Okay. Oh, all right, we finish on this uh, conclusion. The ultimate fulfillment on this, on the negative side, is the great harlot church, Revelation 17. With 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6 and verse 15 and 16, where Paul says, Shall I take the members of Christ and the members of the body of Christ and make them the members of a harlot? And the ultimate fulfillment on this, on the positive side, is the glorious bride of Christ, uh, Revelation chapter 12 and Ephesians uh, 5 verse 23 to 22. Both these churches are in formation today, and as I said this morning, uh, there's two churches in formation today. Talk about a tale of two women. The false church, the harlot church, and the true church, the bride of Christ. So I say... Don't get mixed up with the wrong girl. How many are glad you're in a good church? Amen. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books, and his ministry.